Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. A friend of mine asked me this morning what I do when someone asks me to pray for them. I told him I do what Neville Goddard taught and what the writers of the scriptures say to do. Go to the end and live in it. That's what Neville teaches. The Bible says it a little differently, but it means the same. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, it says to imitate God as a beloved child. Mimic God with the exuberant reliance and faith in the Father. And the Father is your own imagination. So we're to do like God does. What does he do or what does it do? In Isaiah uh, 46.10, it says, I make known the end from the beginning. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Well, that's what we're called to do. That's what we do. We go to the end from where we are now to where we want to be in imagination. Make it now and nothing can stop it from coming about. I, the I of man, which is God, declares the end. We're always living in an end, whether we realize it or not. We're always imagining ahead of the evidence, ahead of the manifestation. That's all that manifestation is. It's the evidence or the proof of our imaginal acts. We're always manifesting, witnessing the evidence of what we've already been imagining. And that never changes. There will never be a cause outside of your own imagination, outside of consciousness. I make known or declare the end from the beginning. That sounds bold, doesn't it? To be that bold, to see your desires as declarations and go about your day knowing with that peculiar certainty that it must be fulfilled. Someone sent me a message recently asking, how do we get to that feeling of it's done? That's a wonderful question. Sure, we can all come up with a scene or a feeling that implies our wish is fulfilled, but it's the uh, sustaining part that used to trip me up, the knowing that it's done. I could easily come up with scenes <laughs> and, and make a list of everything I want, but getting to that point of knowing that it's done, that is where it, I got tripped up. As long as I still saw some separation between my imagination or consciousness and the outside world, I left a little room for reliance or blame on secondary causes. And I did that because I just didn't trust myself, the inner self, that thing we call God, imagination, or a host of other names. I didn't trust it because I refused to allow myself to be aware of everything going on in my imagination or my state of consciousness. I think we all notice times when we might see an old friend, someone calls us or we see them at a restaurant and we tell them, you know what? I was just thinking about you last night. Isn't that funny? We notice those type of uh, what some people call coincidences. I don't believe in coincidences. When it's something like that, we notice, but we tend to not notice how everything else from how we get up in the morning to how we fall asleep at night. I'm talking about our state, our state of mind. It's not just connected are influenced by what we're imagining, but it is what we are imagining. The universe is infinite response, Neville says. 
So if my state of consciousness, what's going on in my imagination, determines what I experience in this physical world, I want to get to know myself, my true self. I've used this analogy often on here. Think of relationships with others. You don't pour out your life story with all of your intimate details on a first date. You know, maybe you do. Do you sit down at the table across from this stranger, toss them your car and house keys? <laughs> here you go. Here's my social security number and debit card. And do you want my Netflix password too? And that kind of openness and trust comes as you get to know that person. The more attention you give the relationship, the stronger it gets. And you eventually get to a point where you know you trust them. Once trust is established, you open up even more to this other person. But no matter how much you trust that other, that relationship will never come close to the absolute fidelity your imagination has with you. Said in a biblical way, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. The Lord is you, your I amness. And acknowledging is to know in all your ways Know this power within you. Get to know this power. Turn to it, and your paths will be made straight. I was recently talking with someone about Bible translations. Here is one verse that one I just read to you in Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 and 6. That's one verse that the translation or version of the Bible you're reading changes the meaning of the verse. In the NIV, the New International Version, it says to submit to the Lord, then he'll make your path straight. And the New Living Translation tells us that we have to do his will before he helps us. There's no one to submit to, no thing to submit to or obey. It's a turning within to your I amness. That word that those, that NIV version translates as submit means to know, to know by experience. So put your trust in the I am, your own awareness of being or imagination, and get to know this one within you through experience, and all your paths will be made straight. It's a relationship with self. To know something is to know by experience and interaction or inner action. There isn't two of us. There's not two beings within us. But think of you and your dimensionally greater self, imagination or God, as two for a moment. The Bible also refers to it as the second Adam, the kingdom of God, the Jerusalem from above, God's holy mountain, redeemer, savior, I am. So how can I trust this power to the point that I know that my imaginal acts will show up as physically real experiences? That was one of the toughest for me to get over the idea of secondary causes and truly trust imagination. But I committed to it. I've told you about that day, the day that I just let it all out, crying and cursing and screaming, balled up in fetal position, whimpering. <laughs> and then once I got it all out, I asked myself, am I going to do this? Do I want to commit to buying the pearl of great price? Commit to really know this power within me, or just throw it all in the bin 
donate my Neville Goddard books <laughs> to someone else, and get on living the life I had been living. Several years ago, I balked at the idea of doing anything daily. Nah, this manifesting thing should be fast and easy. I don't want to work at it. <laughs> well, I don't see it as work. And who said it isn't fast and easy? The only reason I thought it was work and long and difficult is because, well, that's what I assumed. And so that's exactly what I got. I've shared on here ways that I started experimenting with the imagination, imagining all kinds of things to test this power. And it's fun. It's a playful way to get to, to know yourself. There were times, though, that I would get so caught up in uh, a big one. You know, we all have these desires or things that we need to resolve in our lives that we see as the big ones, the big problem we need to fix. And whatever the big one was at the time, I didn't bother even trying to explore imagination. I didn't have time. I had to focus on this one big one. I refused to play and explore. Well, you might have done this, right? I'll, I'll get to the other stuff. Let me just fix this first. If I can just get the money I need, then I'll go back to, I'll start exploring, start to really discover. I would wake up in the morning thinking about the one big problem. <laughs> I don't know if you ever had this experience. You get up and the first few moments are fine. You get up to go maybe get some coffee, or brush your teeth. And by the time you get to the kitchen or the bathroom, it hits you. Oh, crap. I've got these problems. I've got this big one I got to deal with. I would wake up thinking about them, whatever the problem was, and then have a battle of the states <laughs> throughout my day. I refused to allow any time at all to explore the depths of my own being. And this is certainly not work. You are an unlimited being believing yourself into limited states. So isn't it worth everything to discover that? If there was something that brings true freedom in every sense of the word, what are you willing to do to discover it? Are you willing to be honest with yourself and decide to, in a non-judgmental way, observe your state of consciousness and the shadow it casts in your world and move into new states? That never ends. As long as you're here with us on Earth, or if you're listening from another planet, <laughs> you'll have new limits to move past, always expanding. I love this quote from Neville Goddard's lecture, The Storm and the Calm. As my wife said to me last Friday night, three ladies came in and when they heard that there was a charge, one said, how much? And my wife said, $3. That's about, I think, $24, $25 now. One became the spokesman for the three and she said, $3. Well, I wouldn't pay anything for such kind of lectures because they're all tripe anyway. So I say to you, take this tonight, and if you multiply what you paid when you came in by any figure in the world, it couldn't pay for it if you believe it. If you accept it and decide to live by it, you have bought yourself freedom, real freedom. And so what is the price of freedom? You tell me what it's worth. If you can stop short of the ultimate, well, then you don't really want freedom. So you can't put any price on freedom. What have you this night that you would not give in its entirety if you were enslaved? And by the giving of it, you would be set free. 
isn't it worth just giving it attention? Noticing how the events and circumstances in your world mirror the movements within your imagination to discover a freedom unmatched by anything in this mind-created world. If I'm unwilling to start being attentive to what's going on within me, my relationship with this inner I will never develop. Not until I decide to really observe my imagination in action or become aware of what I am aware of. Noticing what I'm thinking and feeling. Not just when I'm listening to a Neville Goddard lecture or reading a book, but really start noticing throughout my day the state I'm giving life to. Which state or states do I habitually return? Don't get out of the bed in the morning until you've already imagined a wonderful day, that the day went wonderfully. One thing I noticed was that even though I thought I started my day the way I wanted, I'd find myself caught up in a little whirlpool of worry. Now, what I was worrying about wasn't always the same thing. I was just in a habit of worrying, especially at particular times of the day and the week. I think I've mentioned this, Sundays. I used to hate Sundays. And weekday mornings, those were the periods, that, well, so just about every day, that I noticed when I would get all worked up in worry. On those lazy Sunday mornings and this quiet time after I dropped the kids off at school, nothing left to do but start worrying. <laughs> and I could find all kinds of things to worry about. I, one thing would be resolved and then, oh, I would be just as worried about something else. <laughs> no real reason why those times, but it was something I noticed. It was a state, a state that I was dwelling in that was producing that that was always finding something to be really, really worried about. So I started imagining those times differently, imagining making the round trip to and from school with a light heart and a smile, imagining wonderfully relaxing Sundays. I was building the relationship with self, getting to know it, giving it attention. Another thing I started doing was Anytime I would catch myself in an assumption about someone else, about their circumstances, their personality, whatever, I would change what I assumed about them, change what I was imagining about them. I know this about them because someone told me or they told me. Now I will know this about them. Anytime is the perfect time for you to use your imagination lovingly for another or for yourself for your country. Don't slough off the responsibility and say, well, I can't do anything about the government or the collective consciousness is causing all of this, not me. Uh, you sure? There are so many wonderful resources available to you on all of this. Many, many teachers who are based in Neville Goddard's work. It's all a reflection of your own being, though. And you won't know it until you know it through experience. Just decide. Decide to daily play and explore imagination. There's nothing outside of you that can make you know your true nature or get to that feeling of certainty that you are the person you want to be. Knowing comes from personal experience. Check out episodes 138, uh, Feeling It, and 154, Move. I share a little bit in there about 
how I started practicing this art of imagining. But what really drove it home for me was just deciding to notice, observe the oneness of my state of consciousness and what appears to be reality in the physical world. The thing is to learn to move. And the more you do, the more you get to know just how powerful you are. This is from Neville's lecture, Brazen Impudence. Practice the art of movement. In New York City, my telephone was in the hallway and my chair in the living room. While sitting in my chair, I would assume I was at the telephone. Then I would assume I was looking into the living room. I practiced this exercise until I discovered I could move anywhere in a split second of time. Try it. And perhaps, like my sister, someone will have the strange experience of seeing you where you've not physically been. Make it fun. I do it all the time. He says, make it fun. If it's not fun, ugh, <laughs> I don't want to do it. Move an imagination for how you want to feel. This is from Catch the Mood. So I now take a state. I want to be known. I want to contribute to the world's good. I want also to live well, and I mean well. I want to feel secure, not only financially, but secure socially, that when I enter a room, I am not embarrassed, no matter who they are. And this is from the mystery of inspiration. Do not be embarrassed when I tell you that you are God. Instead, walk believing you are that important. You don't have to become arrogant, but you must assume you are God. Think about it. Stop believing in God and start believing as God. Do this and the visions will come to confirm your assumption. How would you feel? How would you experience yourself walking into a place with your head held high, knowing you don't have a thing to be ashamed or embarrassed about? You're a badass. Hmm. How does that feel? Feels pretty good, Mike. <laughs> it's up to you. It's up to you to wallow under the tyranny of secondary cause or be bold enough to appropriate the state you want in imagination. Some that I talk to, when I get to that last part, in imagination, they shut off because they hear that word, imagination, and they think, well, it's just fantasy. It's a daydream. It's imaginary. But the imagination is the real self. That's one word for it, one of Neville Goddard's favorite, <laughs> to point to this inner being. This is from If Any Two Agree. Stated as a fact, because we are living in an imaginal world. This world is one's own imagination pushed out. The whole vast world is all imagination. That all these so-called objective realities were simply first imagined, and then they become what you and I call realities. It has to be you taking the action, the inner action, daily. And I don't mean another program. I mean turning within, imagining something different for yourself and others, moving in place and time and imagination, allowing yourself the freedom to observe the goings-on in your imagination, which includes your thoughts and feelings, reactions, your assumptions about yourself and others, and seeing how it's all reflected in, in your world. And be direct with yourself. There's no reason to try to sugarcoat it. 
You can't mock God. And that's your own imagination, your own I amness. You can't trick it. <laughs> As you get ready for bed, put the tough questions to yourself and thank yourself for showing you the answer. That really works. It works for me every time. There is no question too difficult for imagination. Now put any question at all to it. How do I get to the feeling of knowing that it's done? What does that feel like? Show me. What does everyone as you pushed out mean? Show me that. What about oneness? I want to know more. You already have the answers. You do. And then you'll be like the I am in the Bible. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and all it contains are mine. And don't try to become oh, spiritual or worry about using scripture or the languages of Western or Eastern religions or new thought. None of that matters. The only reason I use scripture now is because I grew up with it. And I know a lot of people that listened to Feeling Twisty were raised as I was. So I use those same verses to show it in a new light, to show that they've been pointing back to us this whole time. But there is absolutely no requirement to try to become spiritual or use an elevated language. And don't ever think that someone you hear or see is any better than you. How can one be better when there is only one? No one has any more value than you. And when you hear a manifesting coach or life coach talk about how they solved this or that problem in their lives, know that whether they admit it or not, the thing they're talking about solving was also caused by them. And the same with me. Anytime you hear me sharing how one thing or another was resolved through the use of imagination, I was the cause of the problem in the first place. <laughs> I don't see them as problems, though, not anymore. Knowing that I am the cause, everything is an opportunity to move. I know it, it's a worn out thing to say, Look at problems as opportunities. But that's how I see them. I know no matter what it is, I caused it. So what am I going to do about it? I love you. I'm feeling twisty. <laughs>